Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. Well, well uh, I'm on a journey. That's true. It's 75 years. But we're all on a journey, right? <clears throat> and uh, the journey we're on is to uh, bring to light uh, material that's been in the dark. People don't know much about this. The culture doesn't know much about this. There's a lot of resistance. And you're, uh, you're pioneers, uh, you know, uh, planting seeds that uh, are going to grow eventually, that people will recognize the, uh, the fact that men are victims and that uh, it uh, needs to be rebalanced and understood. So that's where we're going. <laughs> I put together this PowerPoint that's uh, going to look at the overall history, the way I see it, somewhat, uh, some of the things that I've experienced, uh, my uh, take on what I think are the key issues in terms of the science and the mythology, dealing with uh, intimate partner violence, who I see are the heroes who are battling in, in this struggle and where the future may go. So that's some of the things. And if you have questions or comments, save them. I should be able to finish and we should have enough time to be able to go through that, okay? So let's start off. <clears throat> First, uh, uh, one of the things I've, I find interesting is how the culture portrays male and female violence. And one of the things that, that I've noticed a lot, and you probably have too, is that uh, when men are hit by women, it's kind of funny. It's like a, it's a, like a joke. It's, you know, uh, <clears throat> and, and she's empowered, and he's made fun of, etc. So let's see what I found here. There's, doesn't quite come out good, but I saw that recently in a cartoon, a woman smacking a man, and, and uh, it was like her right because uh, he, he looked at another woman uh, with um, uh, some uh, interest, and, and she smacked him, and that was fine. You wouldn't see that, a reversal of that. If you saw a reversal of that in, in the cartoons, uh, <clears throat> it would be seen as a, a partner abuse. It, it, it wouldn't be acceptable cartoon in the, uh, from the LA Times a few years back. Again, they're disagreeing, but she smacks him. It's okay. We, we sort of accept it in the culture. Uh, that actually I found in England when we were traveling in, in one of the uh, stores. I found that cartoon, yes. Okay. All right. So somebody's actually done some research many years ago where they looked at um, the studies that were found in comic strips, and they found that uh, husbands and boyfriends were, were actually victimized much more than uh, uh, girls and, uh, and uh, girlfriends, and wives and girlfriends. <clears throat> but this is a pretty old study. I'm hoping to find some students who would like to replicate that in the, you know, the last 10 years. And, and see what, whether it's still common, which I believe it would be. Okay, so let's look more seriously at the history of victimization and intimate partner violence. 
Um, I think the, one of the key figures here, um, <clears throat> and, and probably in my, my take, and I'm looking at this as a, a social scientist, is the work of, of Murray Strauss. Murray Strauss is a sociologist, professor at the University of New Hampshire. He's been doing research in this field since the early 70s. Murray's in his late 80s now, still active, still writing, still um, uh, you know, um, adding to knowledge in the field. So uh, he and his colleague, uh, Gallus, uh, were um, selected to do a national survey in, in the United States in 1975. And then they uh, replicated the, uh, um, the survey in 1985. And uh, those were the um, first and, and very important surveys of, uh, of, uh, of violence in America. It, it dealt with a lot of things, including child abuse, but it, uh, the, the focus that I'm dealing with now is intimate partner violence. <clears throat> and uh, what they found surprised them, um, but it was a very reliable finding, which has been replicated many times since, uh, and also replicated in the 1985 study, was that there were very similar rates between the uh, 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 women and men in terms of, of uh, um, intimate partner violence. And what they did to assess that, it wasn't just somebody says I hit my husband or, or he hit me or she hit me, etc. They developed what's called the conflict tactic scale, which is the most widely used instrument to assess uh, intimate partner violence. <coughs> It's an objective scale um, used in hundreds and hundreds of studies. And um, um, I'm simplifying it a little bit here because it's um, been revised and there's been some more items dealing with um, sexual uh, abuse, etc. But basically, it, if you sort of simplify it, get down to the core of it, it has categories, what they call minor violence, when one partner throws something at the other, or pushes something, grabs, uh, shoves, or slaps, or um, more what they call severe violence, where there's a, a greater danger of, of a, a serious physical harm, of kicking, biting, punching, beating up, choking, threatening with a knife or gun, or using a knife or gun. So those, that's the conflict tactic scale, okay, widely used, and that's what they use in their national surveys. So here, what we have, I don't have my clicker to really highlight, but basically what they found was husband-to-wife rates in 1960, in 1975 was 121 out of 1,000. In 1985 was 113 out of 1,000, slightly reduced. Same thing with severe violence for men, 38 out of 1,000. Uh, and 30 out of 1,000 in 1985. For women, um, the data uh, is, is uh, interesting in the sense that uh, very similar from minor violence, uh, twice as much severe violence of women towards men. Again, very reliable finding. Um, there was another study that uh, Strauss was involved in in 1992, and this is a graph of that, showing that 
an interesting thing has happened is that the severe violence that men perpetrate has declined over this time period, primarily because of a greater cultural awareness. There was also the, uh, uh, the laws have changed, the laws changed in, in America over that, so it's, it's more of a, a serious crime. Uh, there was uh, more consequences. I guess that's what I'm really uh, aiming at to say, that there were more consequences for men, and therefore the rate, you see a decline in the rate. Uh, but you don't, there were no consequences for women. The, the, nobody, people were ignoring the fact that women were perpetrating violence, and so you don't see any decline over that uh, <coughs> um, almost 20-year period from 75 to 92. Yeah. One of them, um, Strauss and Gellis's colleagues, Susan Steinmetz, worked with them um, in, the, in the research uh, uh, that they were collecting in 75 and, and 85. And uh, what she thought of, she was the first one to use this phrase, she identified what she called the battered husband syndrome, uh, comparable to the battered wife syndrome, which had, you know, uh, was in, in common cultural parlance at the time and suggested that the incidence of husband beating was similar to wife beating. Now this was quite a radical statement, but it was based on the data. It wasn't just her ideas about it, it was just you know, her, her willingness to uh, um, put the uh, uh, searchlight on this particular phenomenon. This created a firestorm of protest towards her in particular, vilification, intimidation, and um, and uh, she was forced out of her position. She was at the University of Rhode Island, and, and because of uh, the uh, outcry towards uh, uh, reaction by many feminists towards her work, she lost her job. Okay. So here's a, um, a summary of those three studies where we look at the wife as victim, is declining, the husband is victim, is pretty stable, pretty, uh, pretty much plateaued, stuff that I had just mentioned, but it's another uh, presentation of that. Okay. What I'm, I'm going to do now is talk about my take on the history from a social scientist point of view of the um, uh, influence of the research in the field. So, uh, the first person, R.L. McNeely, who's actually still quite active in the Detroit area, uh, a sociologist also, um, put together the first um, bibliography, of, of, uh, annotated meta-analysis bibliography, where he reviewed all the studies at the time, in 1985, of, uh, uh, of the studies of intimate partner violence. And what he found was that um, women were as violent as men. That was his conclusion, published in the Journal of Social Work, <coughs> 21 studies. Okay, so I'm, that's something that was out there. I wasn't aware of it in 1987, but I'm aware of it now. Okay, all right. Uh, the other person who's an important figure, one that may, my colleague Aaron Pizzi probably knows the work of Malcolm George, the late Malcolm George. Um, Malcolm George uh, not only was interested in collecting data, but he was a historian. He was looking at, at um, 
um, partner violence through history, through the eyes of um, uh, what was taking place in the Middle Ages, what was taking place in the uh, um, early Victorian era, etc. So he wrote a number of articles, uh, uh, one of them called Riding the Donkey Backwards, uh, which was published in the Journal of Men's Studies, and, and dealt with the fact that there's a long history, particularly in the Middle Ages, of men who, whose wives beat them up, abuse them, they are then publicly humiliated. So what the, the public humiliation takes the, took a, a number of forms, uh, and I'm going to show some pictures in a minute, but basically it took the form of, of um, uh, you know, in a classic sense of riding the donkey backwards. That is, you, you, the, the abused husband, the person who's been humiliated, rides the donkey backwards while everyone in the town laughs and mocks them. Okay, so if a man is uh, beaten up and uh, uh, rather than being pitied, rather than being helped, rather than um, uh, so something positive happening, it's, it's, so that's one of the factors that has kept men from talking about this publicly. Okay. Is that what they call the Skimmington ride? Skimmington is the other, that's right, Skimmington relates to riding the dumping backwards in, when it happened in England. Okay, so I actually, again, I, I always like visual uh, uh, presentations, so I, I found some, some things that I thought would be interesting that tie into this earlier period. Um, uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, Chaucer, uh, there's a section that I was actually just reading Chaucer because I wanted to educate myself in, a, in, a, in this literature that I sort of skipped when I was in, in college, so I was reading Chaucer, and I came across this uh, uh, paragraph where the wife of Bath is bragging about um, uh, beating up her husband uh, and pushing him into the fire. So I thought that was interesting. You know, again, the feminist notion has been that we're in a patriarchal society, that women are always victims of male power, that they don't have any, um, uh, you know, rights, etc., etc., and that uh, it's always male perpetration, uh, female victimization. So here was an example from the 14th century of a, of a woman who was, uh, you know, quite aggressive. All right, this one you may not be able to see as well. Um, one year when my wife Margo and I were traveling through um, northern Italy, we went to a church and on the church, there were, on the fresco wall, we saw this interesting picture of a woman beating a man. Didn't have any context, but I thought, huh, this would, this would fit into my, uh, um, my, my male victimization project. I snuck a picture, and uh, now all of you are having a chance to see it. Okay. So here is the Skimmington, the wife beating the husband. It's, I think it's, um, uh, I think the other one that I'm going to show is Hogarth. I'm not sure who did this, but it's sort of like, again, a, a representation of a, of a uh, time in the Middle Ages. Okay, found this in the, 
museum in Holland uh, two years ago. Uh, just a picture of a Dutch woman smashing her partner with some object. And here is the Skivington, which you, what you asked for. And, you, and again, without my thing, you can if you look in the on the left side, you'll see a man riding the donkey backwards, and and uh, being um, uh, people are observing that and kind of ridiculing. And all right, okay. All right. Now my own story sort of clicks in in 1993. <clears throat> I was. Um, uh, at a friend's house, and we were talking, and it turns out that my friend uh, 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 was a moderator of a cable TV show in, in uh, Long Beach. Um, uh, and uh, he, um, it, was, it was called To Your Health, and it was uh, Dr. Jack Thomas, and we were talking, and he says, you know, Marty, um, I'm presenting the show on domestic violence. You know anything about it? And I was teaching at the time. I was teaching a class in the psychology of male roles, so I was somewhat familiar with the issue. I had a small unit on uh, the work of uh, Strauss and Gallus, and I was also familiar with McNeely's work. So I said, "Yeah, Jack, I, I have some information about men as victims." And he says, "Oh, that's great. Come on the show." So I came on the show, not quite knowing what was going to happen. It turned out that. I was one of, of um, five people on the show, and the, the other five were all women who were involved in, in uh, domestic violence from a different way. The one, was, uh, one woman was a victim, another woman was a nurse in a hospital, another woman was a district attorney, uh, somebody else was a woman's advocate, and Marty. Okay. So when I presented the information, nobody believed me. It was like, Yes, yes, yeah, but you, you don't mean that happened for everybody. I said, yes, I, I do. This is the study, and I cited the study. And again, a lot of disbelief. No, um, you know, overt, strong hostility, but certainly kind of being shunned and disbelieved. So at that point, I decided, well, I should see if I can compile all the evidence that will demonstrate the point I was trying to make. And that started me on uh, the process in the last 20 years of, of uh, collating and organizing a bibliography that um, uh, examines male victimizations in domestic situations. So the basic reference here, again, many of you are familiar with it, and I'm um, talking to those who are, uh, who are um, you know, knowledgeable about that. But, you know, maybe as this goes out to YouTube, others who aren't might be familiar. So uh, uh, the latest version was published this year in hard copy, and last year was published online. It's in the, the journal Sexuality and Culture, a pretty good peer-reviewed journal. Um, and uh, uh, at, at this point, the... Um, uh, number of studies is up to 343. Now that 343 includes hum, uh, a number of empirical studies and a number of reviews. And all the, I try to select the ones that I think are representative and, and fair and, and, and demonstrate the, the point I'm trying to make. Earlier versions, the first version was published in 1997. That was like four years after I started the project in 1993. Had 85 studies. Republished in 2004 with 155, uh, republished in 2010 
uh, with uh, 271. So it's, you know, this I think is, uh, again, pretty much the latest. And I know there's been studies since that haven't been included, but it's, it's still pretty up to date. Okay, and uh, again, the impact, I'm not, you know, I'm not um, uh, sure of uh, the exact numbers here, but I know it's been translated into a number of languages, and I think you know, when, I, when I last checked uh, a while back, it was up to five languages, and a lot of web pages, maybe it's more than 100, and um, um, uh, I guess that's the latest version, okay. All right, now we're still on the history, so we went from 1987 to 1993, now we're, uh, and then uh, Malcolm's, uh, uh, George's work, and now we're, I'm, I'm looking at the year 2000, okay, uh, 14 years ago. Very, in, uh, another uh, British colleague, uh, again, I'm sure Aaron is familiar with the work of John Archer, um, uh, eminent uh, a, a scholar. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he studied aggression. That's one of his, his key areas. But he, 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 he did what's called a meta-analysis. I'm sorry, but no, I mean, I mean, wasn't he the head of an organization? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay, so he publishes in, in the psycho Psychological Bulletin. Again, those of you who are not, this is like a little bit inside baseball, but <clears throat> within the field of psychology, Psychological Bulletin is either the number one or number two journal. The most prestigious journal in our field, most difficult to get published in it. I mean, they may have a rejection rate of um, 90 to 1, you know. So they really, and, and these are people who are submitting are, are usually top scholars. So to get into it is a, is a major threshold. So he publishes this meta-analysis in Psychological Bulletin. And um, he looks at sex differences in physical aggression. We, at that time, I, we weren't calling them gender differences. At the time, we called them, at the time, it was uh, referred to as sex differences. And that um, he concludes that women are more likely than men to use one or more acts of physical aggression and to use such acts more frequently. So he's not only saying it's gender parity, but that women are more aggressive. Qu quite a... Um, uh, you know, an astounding conclusion, but well backed up by the, the facts. And at that time, he and I got into some correspondence, and he was familiar with my bibliography, and, and uh, we, uh, uh, you know, talked about a number of the studies that would have been done. So, um, he, again, a meta-analysis means that you take um, all the studies in the field, and you combine them, so you can look at what is the themes that cut across uh, the 100, 150 studies. And then he sort of adds up the number of subjects and, and uh, looks at the number of acts that have been uh, per perpetrated. And so he finds that uh, violence was perpetrated somewhat more frequently by women than men, that injuries, and this is a, an area that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, um, were, um, at least in the published studies, that women were injured somewhat more than men, but not a lot more. It's 7,011 to 7,531. And that medical treatment, women required more medical treatment than men. Uh, again, close figures, but women, and I'll talk about that issue in a minute too. Okay. 
Okay, again, uh, a man who's important in the area of Canada, a, a very important scholar and an activist on, in his own right, uh, uh, published in 2006 a scholarly analysis of uh, research and treatment in the area of domestic violence, a very important book. I, I urge you to read it. He's written other books too, but that's the one I'm, I, I thought was um, uh, important to bring to your attention, Retaking Domestic Violence by Don Dutton. Okay, another man who, uh, uh, in America who's been a pioneer, uh, an important figure in, in the, uh, 2007, John Hamill published a book called Gender Inclusive Treatment of Intimate Partner Abuse. He takes the view that there's a, you know, close if not equal gender parity in terms of, of, uh, of uh, intimate partner violence and the solution is to have couples who are involved in this in treatment together, not to single out one gender versus the other. So, and he has some very good ideas, and he's, uh, uh, not only did he uh, uh, think about that, think about treatment possibilities, but he's also put together a new journal, which I again highly recommend, called Partner Abuse. It's again, scholarly, uh, some of the uh, uh, key uh, figures, researchers are, are publishing in that. Okay, and in fact, one of the articles in that journal uh, came out um, oh, a year and a half ago, um, uh, uh, and it's a prevalence of, of physical violence in intimate partner relationship, rates of perpetration and victimization, blah, blah. Okay. Um, where it says, et al., that's uh, Sarah Damaris is the key author, but she had five, uh, four other collaborators, um, five people in, in, in total, including me. I didn't do that much, but <coughs> I did uh, edit some of the material and I did uh, provide information from the biography and she was kind enough to uh, include me as a co-author. Co the thing that I think is so interesting about this article, so important about it, is that it, uh, <clears throat> unlike me, who was somewhat selective, and, and I was finding not every article, but articles that, that I, uh, people had alerted me to or I found myself, what she did, she had her students and her collaborators look at everything that was published for a 10-year period. Every article, 10, 10 years worth of material from 2000 to 2010. And so they looked at, I don't know, like 5,000 articles in the area of intimate partner violence and found the same conclusions that we've been talking about here. Namely, that uh, one in five men, around 21.6%, and one in four women, slightly higher, and in terms of statistics, significantly higher, report perpetrating violence. Okay, so that's a very important conclusion. Well, I said that, I guess this is a repeat slide. Okay. Oops, I'm going back. I should be going here, that's why. All right, okay, got it, got it. All right, now we're getting into another component of what I want to share, I sort of gave you you know, a bit of the history, now I'm, I want to look at another issue. I want to look at what, I, what, I call, what I'm calling science, I'm really 
dealing with what I think is the current mythology that hopefully the science can correct. So, um, and, and this is, if you had to, um, you know, look for the, where is this myth being, who's holding on to this myth? It's, uh, there are certain, we'll say, ideological groups who are holding on to it. Maybe certain feminist groups ideologically hold on to it. But I think the general culture is holding on to this because they're not educated, they're not familiar with it, and, and the media hasn't um, presented it. So the myth is, is pretty well established in society that women are the primary source of, of victims, and, and that is you know, what most people believe. You know, before I came here, uh, two days ago, I spoke to a good, good friend of mine I went to graduate school with. He lived in Rochester. And uh, I, you know, I invited him here. He couldn't make it. And he says, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm, I'm one of the speakers at the um, uh, domestic violence conference. And I told him a little bit about it. He says, really, Marty? I thought that women are the victims. So you know, here's a man, again, pretty well educated, but not familiar with the stuff. So I think it's pretty widespread that most many educated people believe that women are, are the primary victims. And yet, there's overwhelming data that, um, that there's essential gender parity, if not greater male victimization um, in, in the field. And when we look at dating studies, studies of people who are not married, young kids from the age of, we'll say, 13, 14 through their early 20s, college kids, the, the studies overwhelmingly show that men are more victimized than women. Now, when I say victimized, I don't mean beaten to death. I don't mean seriously injured. I mean usually the minor versions of the, con uh, of the conflict tactic scale, pushing, shoving, throwing things, etc. So you get an idea of, of the framework on that. Okay. Come on. All right. So um, to clarify, why is there this discrepancy? Well, you have one source of data, which comes from police reports. Okay. So if you look at police reports, and they may vary, you know, because things are changing and more women are arrested. But basically, police reports, you know, and that's, and that's why the police believe this. Police reports are going to show that 75 plus uh, of the victims of domestic violence are women. Okay. Emergency rooms. Again, data's changing. I have some studies that show that it's, it's, it's close to parity, but overall, looking at historically, you're going to see that women are more likely to go to emergency rooms and either report or uh, have, uh, through you know, their consultation with the doctors, reveal that they were hit, harmed by their uh, domestic partners. Third source of the data, and that's the one I've been drawing on, that's what I'm sharing with you, is social science survey findings. Okay. And, and the best of this, these findings aren't like I'm asking you know, everyone in the room what your experience. I'm really looking at, a, at a, um, uh, a stratified sample of a society, um, looking at it either state by state, country by country, etc. So the best studies are national surveys. And, um, in, and, and stratified sample surveys, and they all reveal what I'm sharing with you as the conclusion. All right, we're ready to move on. There we go. Okay. Nope, got the wrong one. All right, my fault. 
Okay. So uh, this is some of my thoughts about why are there uh, differences. Okay. One is, uh, you know, why, why aren't we finding the same thing with police reports and with emergency rooms? Well, men are reluctant to report victimization. That's true. I don't know what percentage that accounts for, but it accounts for a significant amount. If, you, if we hark back to what we talked about, riding the donkey backwards, there's a lot of humiliation and, and social stigma for a man to report that he has been victimized by his, his partner. Okay. Um, as, as we've been hearing earlier in our um, uh, uh, comments here, uh, um, uh, presentations here, police and courts disbelieve male victims. They only believe female victims. I think things are changing. They may be changing faster in the United States than they are in Canada. I'm not sure, but uh, I, that's the reports that I've been hearing from some of the activists in the United States. Um, uh, so please, and, and, and also, another psychological aspect to it is that men, because of the way we're raised, etc., tend to uh, tough it out, as our as a, a, a last presenter talked about. They uh, learn to endure pain, not complain, um, and, uh, and therefore are reluctant to report physical discomfort, pain. Uh, so they're less likely to go to emergency rooms, etc., etc. Okay, and then there's another psychological element is that even violent men are less likely to assault their partners because of the chivalry norm. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, we do know in the real world that more violence is perpetrated by men in terms of crime, in terms of person-to-person, uh, -person, uh, um, et cetera, physical um, uh, things. But even some of the studies that have been looked at violent men, they don't, not all of them, but many of them don't hit women because they've trained uh, from childhood that it's, it's not manly to hit a woman or it's, it's wrong, you don't hit your sister. It's kind of like a, a social thing to not hit women. So even violent men are, are less likely to do that. Okay. Just to bring to your attention, and this is a sample, it isn't all of them, but there's been a, a number of very good representative sample studies in the United States over the last uh, 25, uh, 30 years. Canada has, has a number of them too, Great Britain, New Zealand, Australia. You notice that these are English-speaking Western countries. There aren't, I, don't, I haven't come across very many uh, representative sample studies in, in, from Asia, from South America. Um, and even the European continent. So we don't have a lot of data there. We have some studies uh, in Africa. We have, we have some studies, but nothing as, as, uh, as refined and as, uh, as uh, well-designed. Okay. Come on. Let's get it. There with me. All right. It's a cat and mouse game. Yes. How come it's not? Oh, okay. All right. We went back, right? All right. We don't want to go back. Well, that happened last time too, right? Are you helping on this? Okay. Okay. Keep going. All right. Next one. Next one. Good. All right. Uh, I'm just throwing out a few studies here that I think are, are interesting, things that you may not know about, I didn't know about when I found them, that they 
uh, Merrill and, and his associates uh, found a, uh, completed a study on domestic violence in the, in the military and evaluated over 3,000 subjects and found that more men than women were victims. Uh, th these weren't all, all, all the subjects weren't soldiers, but they were army uh, families. So uh, some of the victims were um, um, uh, spouses of, uh, of soldiers who had beat them up. Okay, we can try another one. Good, great. Dating studies, that's an area that, uh, as I said, there's a lot of information, and, uh, and uh, I, I mentioned the results on that, that uh, women are greater. Okay, what else? Oh, this is a very important study. Again, my, uh, my uh, colleague, uh, Murray Strauss, uh, organized an international dating, worldwide dating study. He um, uh, collected data from students in 68 universities from 32 countries. And a sample size, very large for the kind of work that we have here, of over 13,000 subjects. And there are differences in countries. I'm not going to talk about those. I can talk about them in a general way. But overall, the finding is that um, um, I, what I think is interesting here is that mutual violence was very high. That is, that, uh, that between the, the, the partners, almost 70% of both of them um, uh, assaulted each other in either minor or major ways. And that when, it was, when we looked at it more carefully, the men was about 10% and the women were about 20% of who initiated the assaults. Okay. And in terms of severe assaults, and, and that's very interesting, a very interesting finding, because it's a worldwide study, is um, almost, uh, women were almost twice as, as likely as men to uh, assault their partners. Now, I think the differences that we do see is that in countries where there was, quote, less equality, okay, that is that women have fewer rights in terms of property, in terms of divorce, etc. the rate of um, male perpetration was higher than in the other countries. But again, we're dealing with university students who usually are a little bit more enlightened, so that's why we may find the, the numbers the way I see them. Okay, let's try next. Great. Um, an interesting area that I, I did a little bit of work myself, but um, I had some students do some work on too, is are there any differences between ethnicity? People were, you know, wondering, is it more likely to happen with uh, whites, uh, blacks, uh, Asians, uh, Hispanics? Those are the four core groups that we, we looked at. And, and overall, hard to say, but I don't think there's any systematic differences uh, across ethnicities, though some studies did find that, that there are more likely to find um, uh, uh, that uh, uh, African Americans were slightly more likely to abuse their intimate partners than whites or Hispanics. Okay, great. Um, just for fun, you know, since we we know Quakers are very peaceful people, what's their rate of intimate partner violence? And it's about the same as everybody else. So, so we just throw that in. Okay. Um, Here's an interesting area that I just kind of glanced at too, it had to do with um, uh, what's the story? What's the story behind 
uh, an abused male partner? Is it similar to the story of an abused female partner? And the answer is yes. When you spend some time, then this is a small sample, like maybe like 10, 15 men, you ask them what it was like. Many of them put up with the abuse because they don't want to lose their children. So, uh, or they're afraid of the economic consequences. So why do they stay in abusive relationships? Similar to the reasons why women stay in abusive relationships, okay? Uh, international studies, That's, I guess I was re referencing that. Women are somewhat more victimized in developing countries, at least the data that I looked at in Korea and Pakistan. Okay, second myth that uh, we, you know, the first one was uh, women are victimized. This is the second myth is women may be equally aggressive, but the reason why they're aggressive is because it's in self-defense. So that's, that I think is, is a, a key issue here. Now, again, drawing on my own personal experience, uh, I'm in a psychology department, one of my colleagues is a, is a feminist, uh, she studies domestic violence as women as victims. We're reasonably good friends. And um, when she found out, uh, she's a ju more junior faculty, but so she found out about my research and she invited me to present in class. And I presented the data that's similar to what I'm presenting to you. And um, she didn't have any problem with that. She actually took that in, didn't challenge it, be believed it, uh, but where she disagreed is where we're going to deal with in the next two myths. The myth is, from her point of view, um, uh, women are dealing with self-defense. Okay, so I think that's a, a key issue here. Um, and there aren't an overwhelming number of studies here, but the ones I have looked at, and the ones that I think um, Murray Strauss has looked at too, uh, basically comes to the conclusion, this is a generous conclusion, that in half the cases, it's mutual violence. In one quarter, it's, it's women who are, who are initiating, and, um, and the other quarter, men who are initiating. Now, that's the generous conclusion. I think the, maybe depending on the age group, I think we will find that more women are initiating than men. That's what we, we had in an earlier study, and I, I'm more inclined to see that, um, uh, that actually it's the opposite of what um, uh, the, the myth is, that, that women are more likely to initiate. So let's take another slide, okay. That's pretty much what I said, okay. All right, this one is probably hard to read. Um, it's a study actually that, that uh, my, my uh, uh, student, Denise Gonzalez and I uh, uh, put together, published, pretty widely cited, what we basically asked uh, in a survey is, uh, we asked, uh, how many subjects we had? We had a, I'm not exactly sure. I would say we had a th close to 1,000 subjects, 960-something subjects. And we, uh, they were all women. And uh, we asked them um, uh, modified um, uh, conflict tactics question, have they ever initiated violence? Have they ever um, experienced violence with a partner? And, and, the, and about, I don't know, 30% uh, of them said yes. And then we asked them, what percentage of the time did you initiate violence? And um, 
and it turned out that 29% of the women um, admitted to initiating violence. And then we asked them, those who admitted that now we're looking at like 300 subjects, um, what were the reasons for doing it? And uh, things like, he wasn't paying attention to me, he wasn't listening to me, I wanted to, I, 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 uh, uh, I was angry at him, and then a whole bunch of other reasons about, uh, I knew he wouldn't hit me back, I found it sexually stimulating to hit him, a whole, you know, a whole range of things. So it's an interesting article, worth seeing, it's easy to get I, uh, for, for me to, you know, if you look at, and anybody could do that. If you look at uh, <coughs> a website called ResearchGate, um, uh, anybody can access that. I have all my publications there, so you can just tap into the one that interests you and particularly this one if, if you want to and uh, find that. Okay, next. All right. Uh, yes, I think that here is the reasons that Again, another researcher found, and it comparable to what I said, is, is that the reason for male aggression was that they were um, threatened, physically threatened by the female partner. The reason for female aggression was that he said something that pissed her off. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Okay? All right? Myth three. Okay, the last myth. Um, all right, so here it gets a little tricky because there's a controversy there within the field, um, and, and Murray Strauss and I do disagree here. But uh, this area is because of the strength differential between men and women, um, are women more likely to be seriously injured um, when there's an altercation? Okay, so. Um, when Murray first wrote about this, he said it was five to one that women would be injured to men. His latest writings is um, two-thirds to one-third. Okay. The data that, let's get another slide. Um, the data that I'm looking at is that um, women, I think there's probably gender parity here, what we have to factor in the fact that for the same injuries, men may not report them. So um, a bruise on the arm might take the woman to the emergency room, a bruise on the arm, the guy's not going to do it. Okay. Um, an injury that uh, might lead to same punch or hit or something like that might lead the woman to uh, crumble and in tears, might the guy might just shrug it off. The same amount of damage. So I, that's what I'm, I'm thinking that it's close to gender parity. Again, I'm probably in the minority here. And it's also, this is a politically incorrect area to, to go strong on, and so I know that. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, the, uh, emergency room stuff, we're finding that. Um, uh, let's see. There was some similarity of men and women going to a particular emergency room that was published. I just found that study. It's not representative of all the studies on emergency room, but it's it's sort of a one that I, I wanted to highlight. Um, okay, and then um, 
uh, women are, did I say the thing that women are more likely to use uh, objects or weapons than men are in, in, in a domestic situation? Okay, let's go, uh, go, go ahead. Uh, all right, we, we got the Strauss the, the, uh, twice as often. We got Strauss, uh, okay, okay. Equal cross-gender violence in a trauma center. Okay, thank you. Similar rates of injury. I thought that was an interesting study. It's a pretty good, pretty good sample size. Okay, let's um, move on. Uh, murder rates. Okay, murder rates is another area of some controversy. It's always hard to get good data here, who domestic partners are. But I thought this was a, a, a pretty, a pretty widely known and, and quoted study, and, and I, I'll stand behind the findings here that that uh, it's not 50-50 in murder rates. It's probably uh, more women are, are killed by their partners, but it isn't a lot more. It's 56.6 to 43.4. A lot of, uh, Warren Farrell, one of my colleagues, believes that there's a whole hidden area of, of uh, women, uh, they're more likely to hire contract killers and to poison their husbands and get away with it. So that's his, his take is it's 50-50, and because and, and he has these these reasons that women might be more likely to do that. We don't have data on it, just viewpoints here, okay? Um, I mentioned use of weapons, that we, we, that's pretty well established. We can go on. All right, now we're coming to an interesting area. I, 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 I know I was gonna be presenting here, and I said, I wanna um, you know, honor the people who have really plowed the fields and have started the process. And I may have missed some, uh, and if I, uh, so when I revise it, I will add. But let's, let's go to the next, to the next one. Okay, so I, I do wanna honor my colleague, uh, Murray Strauss. And I put it as, um, I put like two categories. I put scholar and activist, and then I said, you know, I don't think I like that. I think I'm going to combine them. I'm going to have scholar activists and activist scholars. So, okay, so let's go to the next. So then we have somebody in the audience here. We have a superhero activist, Aaron Peasy. This is a picture that we took in, I don't know, when is it, 2008 or 9 or something like that at, at a conference in Sacramento with our colleague Charles Corey. Okay, then move on. Okay, then I, I put a list together of uh, people that some of you may know and, and uh, are <clears throat> in my bibliography. My latest bibliography, by the way, I sort of, not only did I put together the, the um, uh, uh, research articles, but I also put at the end of it, I highlighted what I thought were the most important articles and some of the most important research. So these names would fall there. So. Uh, uh, some of them I, I've mentioned before. These are people who are active. Uh, Nicola Graham Kevin, who's a, from England, is very active. She has her own journal on aggression. Uh, John Hamill, um, uh, you know, again, some uh, have passed on. Uh, Susan Steinmetz, I think, has. Malcolm George has. Okay, next. And uh, I, I, is she still alive? I don't know either. I, I thought she might have. I should look into it. 
Okay, we, we should check it out. Okay. And then I've, I activists, these are people I know, in, some of them in California. Um, uh, and uh, I know Miles will be here tomorrow. And, uh, and Attila is here somewhere. Right here. Okay. All right. Okay, and then uh, coming to the end, I got like two or three more slides, we're almost finished. Um, why is there resistance to accept this find, these findings? That's a, a key thing, and that's what we're, many of us are working on. Um, female perpetration is a taboo topic. Um, it's considered politically incorrect to talk about this, um, and I'm sure many of you uh, will have stories that, that um, uh, um, support that, that when, when you have brought this up, you've been shunned or criticized or mocked or etc. The early researchers actually received death threats for their research. Um, uh, funding agencies were reluctant to provide money to study female perpetrated violence. Uh, journals, even with the, the studies completed, were reluctant to publish these. That's why a number like John Hamill and, and um, uh, uh, Nicola have, have established their own journals to publish material. So there are now outlets that we can get this material out there in, this, in a scientific sense. Uh, okay. Um, female perpetrator violence runs counter to a, a feminist theory which uh, uh, focuses on male aggression, uh, sanction, uh, that control to dominate women. Uh, female violence is viewed as, we talked about this earlier, self-defense. Uh, and, and if you criticize it, you're blaming the victim. And maybe really important, and this one has to be worked out, if you, if you um, uh, bring to the attention of the society and it changes laws and courts, etc., will it diminish protection services for battered women? And that's what, one of the fears. And also, I guess, as, as people have talked about, it will challenge the um, um, you know, battered women's, um, the finances of, of that industry. So it's really a, a key, it's an economic as well as a psychological thing. Okay? All right, the future. <laughs> Who knows, but we'll see. I am, uh, I'm pretty optimistic because, again, I'm looking at, you know, a trajectory of a, a 20 plus year time on this. And when I started, nobody would um, accept gender parity. Okay. Now, while the general public doesn't accept it, social scientists do, who are in the field. All, all researchers in the field are dealing with this. So, some of them are, are, are dealing with it, well, women are uh, doing self-defense, but the gender parity uh, uh, data is, is well accepted, okay. But the impact, oops. Okay. We can. I'll just. I'll just talk it. So the, the impact hasn't really hit the the key social phenomenon of um, courts, police, media, and legislatures. Okay, and that's where we have to deal with that. And and I was talking to my wife at lunch, and I said, you know, when is the tipping point going to come? We're far from the tipping point. You know, the tipping point will be. Oh yes, now we see it, and now we we understand, and then things change. But we're not at the tipping point. We're far from it. So thing, uh, conferences like this, um, people's writing, um, 
the, uh, uh, the work that people are doing with the media, with, with television, with radio, um, uh, etc., are, are helping. We'll see when it comes. Sometimes things happen very quickly. I, I'll tell you one thing that I find is that, you know, I've been teaching, getting into my 50th year in the classroom, um, that my students are different and that they're less resistant. When I bring this up, I'm not getting any flack from the students. They're understanding this phenomenon, and many of them, when I, I open it up, will tell me stories about, quote, their friends, uh, female friends, who hit their male companions. So it's not like it's unknown to them, because it is really happening in the real world. So let's hope that, again, with all our efforts, the tipping point will, will come faster than, uh, than uh, we think. Thank you. Thank you so much.